0: D-
1: Central Kentucky, showing up for racial justice. We are a racial justice organization that encourages white people to educate and move other white people to stand against racism in support of organizations led by people of color. You can find us at facebook.com slash CKY Surge. That's Surge, S-U-R-J. You can also email us at ckysurge at gmail.com or join us for our monthly meeting the second Tuesday of every month at 6 p.m. at Wild Fig Books and Coffee in downtown Lexington. Today, CKY Surge member Tina Durbin will be speaking with Adrian Wallace of the local chapter of the NAACP. Mr. Wallace is a father of five, a husband, a preacher, and a strong voice for justice in the community. He is also scheduled to become the president of the Lexington chapter of the NAACP in January. Mr. Wallace will discuss his background in activism, what the NAACP has been up to, how he hopes to repair its relationship with the community, as well as his feelings on such topics as Black Lives, Blue Lives, and All Lives Matter. Adrian will also share his favorite holiday memory with us, as will local activists Divine Karama and DeBron Thomas. It's that time of the season. You're listening to Power to the People Radio, and we are Central Kentucky, showing up for racial justice. Stay tuned after the interview to hear about our upcoming events.
2: So, Adrian, um tell me a little about who you are, both personally and professionally, as it relates to Lexington.
3: Yes, yeah, so my name is Adrian Wallace. I uh, was born and raised here in Lexington. My uh, great-grandfather moved his family here in the 50s uh, to start a church. Um, he lived, uh, met my great-grandmother in uh, Harlan, Kentucky. Uh, he worked in, in the coal mines in West Virginia. And... Um, he decided that he didn't want his sons to work in the coal mines, and so he moved into to Cincinnati and then uh, moved to Lexington, uh, for, both for radio positions. Um, and so that's kind of historically what my family has been known for, for is for the radio, uh, but then also uh, in ministry. And so I uh, kind of followed suit and got into ministry, uh, was called into ministry after I left the military, which is uh, how I got involved with the NAACP. Uh, oftentimes uh, as ministers we are involved in engaging the community and we see different issues um, that need to be addressed. And so it's just really holistic approach to, to, to the gospel, to the good news, that uh, we believe that we have a Lord and Savior that came to this earth uh, to bring shalom, peace, where there's nothing missing, nothing broken. Well, how do we engage in that work? Um, and that's exactly what uh, the NAACP is about, that we fight for the social, educational, political, economic uh, equality of all people. Uh, of course, uh, historically, that's been disproportionately people of color. Uh, even though we don't like to see colored people uh, in 2016, um, we are the oldest civil rights organization in the United States being founded in 1909. And so um, that's kind of my main capacity now today.
2: Tell me um, a bit more about the NAACP, its history in Lexington, and of course, it's maybe its current work in Lexington.
3: Yeah, so we um, we have multiple committees. The way that our organization is laid out is we have a national branch, na- national unit, um, and each community uh, that has at least 50 members can be chartered to be a local branch. Um, we are the second largest branch of our state conference in Kentucky, uh, behind Louisville. Um, and we have uh, committees in every sphere from education to economic and housing development um, to justice. Um, I uh, began my work in in our local unit with the membership committee, um, then was asked to take a larger role uh, as the assistant secretary, and then was uh, asked to take over our political action committee, and then last year became uh, the first vice president um, and have uh, now been nominated to serve as the the president for the next two years of our uh, Lexington branch.
2: Okay, and so what might be some of your goals for the future if you were to actually be successful denominated nominated or
3: elected? Um, well, I was nominated um, with no challenges, and so I uh, I will begin my term in January. Um, and one of the first things that we really want to do is just really uh, do more community outreach. Um, I believe that we haven't had a real strong um presence to the point that people know where to come to for help uh, we I constantly meet new people that have said that they've tried to call on the phone number or go to an office and uh, where we don't quite have the budget to have full-time staff uh, sometimes we lose folks through the cracks and so we want to make sure that people know how to get in contact uh, with us um, I, I tell folks they I give my cell phone number out to everybody um, and so most importantly I want I want to be Uh, reachable. Uh, And so getting in the community, making sure that folks know that they have an avenue and an advocate uh, to fight for them uh, in the the next season is where I I really want to focus a lot of effort. Uh, We also realizing that um, there's a lot of changes coming on the state level. Uh, We've been advocating for minimum wage uh, increases in in legislation, uh, voting rights, uh, restoration of voting rights, trying to protect uh, portions of the Voting Rights Act of 1964 that have been uh, stripped away. Those are some of the main legislative uh, efforts that we have going in the General Assembly, looking ahead into 2017. Um, And and while we are nonpartisan, uh, historically, Republican policy has not uh, scored well on our NAACP scorecard. Um, And so those are things that we... Just have to be aware of uh, going into this next general assembly, with a uh, our house now being uh, Republican control under Republican control for the first time since
2: 1921. So I know that recently in Lexington we've had some incidents, um, um, that That's the most recent. Um, he is signed in at Lafayette. Um, current events um, post Trump. So.
3: Any of those you want to talk about? Any? Yeah. So you know, just talking about local advocacy. Uh, with the, we had a Lexington Catholic uh, incident uh, earlier last year, um, or last school year. Um, we have the the assignments within our public schools uh, that we realize they p- folks need to be held accountable for. Um, and I think a lot of times it, it comes down to communication. And the reason why we advocate for public schools is that the fact that there is open dialogue and communication and accountability. That's one of the things that worries us about charter schools and about private schools like the Lexington Catholic because there's nobody to hold them accountable. Uh, a lot of times it's, it's profit before people. And we want to make sure that um, we see justice for the students that have been wronged. Um, from again the Catholic situation where there were threats of lynching and there was uh, sexual assault that had been reported and no action taken, to um, to to the recent case of, of a racist uh, school assignment, um, but we also have to know what is the right approach. And I think having I uh, see at the table with with the, with the school board and the superintendent, we, they were very responsive to uh, the hiring of of Superintendent Calk, and we want to make sure that we give him a chance to implement his blueprint for success, but at the same time making sure that we have an avenue to to address our concerns. And so in the case of this uh, racist assignment, to be able to go to the the principal as well as the school-based decision-making council um, to address the teacher's issue, and then elevating that appropriately if we don't get the results that we need. Um, Because we very much so are are about... uh, advocating uh, meeting uh, an issue with the amount of uh, quote-unquote force as, as, as need be. So we don't want to just outright go out and, and protest. And so you didn't see us protest over that issue, but you see that we definitely certainly make calls. And we appreciate our allies, uh, the folks who did make the newspapers in their protest. So a lot of times we have to operate in different capacities, uh, but that doesn't mean that we aren't all on the same uh Role in the same going in the same direction.
2: That's so what I was going to say. How 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 are those alliances um, bridge? Uh, let's say with with the police department, the school system, um, the justice system, the jail. How how does the NAACP try to bridge some of those relationships?
3: Yeah. So uh, I think that collaboratives are key, and uh, we want to make sure that. Uh, we have a seat at the table with those different partners, but that doesn't mean that th- we, we won't hold them accountable if they're uh, if they're found to be in their own. So, for instance, with the police department, um, we have a good relationship with the police department as a unit, um, but at the same time, we have made known um, at, through town halls and, and other venues that when it comes to body cameras and the implementation of uh, President Obama's 21st century policing task force recommendations that we will hold them accountable uh, if, if they don't meet those those uh, demands ultimately um, that uh, we need a civilian at the top of, of the internal affairs just like Cleveland did because oftentimes uh, incidents uh, involving police officers go un or underreported And so those are type- the types of measures that we have to make sure are in place. And again, that we have the relationship where. We can get work done, but at the same time that they will uh, ultimately be held accountable. Uh, We also realize that there's a lot of trust, even in the community, that has to be uh, built up and rebuilt uh, because of different perspectives and perceptions that might have arisen over the last few years about our relationship with certain entities. Um, And and we realize that that legitimacy uh, has caused issue even around the nation. Uh, When uh, I mentioned that we are the oldest civil rights organization and have won historic landmark uh, battles, uh, Brown versus Board of Education, Thurgood Marshall, Uh, the lynchings that happened early on uh, in the 1913 uh, era, during the Great Depression, some of the disparities that disproportionately affected minority communities, the NAACP was at the forefront of those fights. And in 2016, we find ourselves... Facing a, a, a generational divide, a lot of times where um, a lot of millennials, my age group, don't have the um, trust in an established organization like the NAACP, and it's the reason why many would more so align with the BYP 100 or uh, Black Lives Matter. Um, and I, I and I say much like our uh, national. Youth and College Director said uh, recently, just earlier this year, Stephen Green, he said, uh, and I quote, um, it was not intentional neglect, end quote, uh, that Black Lives Matter folks weren't in Cincinnati for our uh, national conference, um, and that, quote, we're in different vehicles going to the same place, that uh, we have those allies in place around the country, and we are they are allies, that we believe and say that Black Lives Matter Um and we need to understand that there is a difference when folks say all lives matter or blue lives matter. A- and we have uh, a voice with the police department. And they understand that when we say black lives matter, that, that doesn't uh, negate the fact that blue lives matter. But it's the fact that black lives are disproportionately jailed and murdered, even sometimes at the hand of the state. And that we have to make sure that folks are held accountable for that. Um, and so I think that a lot of times it's about trust, legitimacy and, and, and communication that has caused some of the distrust and, and maybe loss of uh, respect, I'd say, for organizations like ours. And I understand that fully. Uh, some of it is uh, justified. And that's one of, another goal of mine in, in 2017 is to rebuild again that legitimacy and that trust.
1: Welcome back. This is Central Kentucky Surge. Let's continue our interview with Adrian Wallace of the NAACP.
2: So at this point, how many members are in the NAACP, in the Lexington chapter, and how might someone
3: contact? or? Yeah, so every unit that has um, uh, a charter has to have at least 50 members. And we have uh, anywhere between 120 and 150 uh, active members in Lexington. And um, we encourage people of all ethnicities cultures, faith, uh, generation, to join our unit. Many folks don't know uh, that in 1909 when we were founded, um, that there were a majority of white liberal abolitionists who uh, approached some of the founding black members about creating this organization. Um, And that we have always, from the very inception, been... A multi-ethnic organization, and we want to continue that way. Uh, we have a large Hispanic population in Lexington, and that's one of the the things that pulls on my heartstrings is that we don't have a strong enough relationship with our Latino brothers and sisters in this in the city. Uh, and and facing some of the uh, political and social rhetoric that they do uh, with uh, conversation about. Uh, deportation, building walls. I think that we have to make sure that folks know that they're welcome, and that we are a community, and that again, that we're here for them. So, do you have any other
2: goals for the future, other than NAACP? just
3: personally or professionally? Uh, you know, right right now, my goal is again just to make Lexington uh, as strong as possible as a community. Uh, working full time at Community Ventures um, and neighborhood revitalization, really focused in the East End, work that's continued since I was on staff uh, at full-time ministry at uh, Broadway Christian Church um, to really have, again, a targeted neighborhood effort uh, to see families uh, healthy uh, and safe and sustainable. Uh, And so, again, I'm appreciative for this time and and I'm grateful for all the work that uh, Surge does as well as Kentucky's for the Commonwealth. Okay, well, and um, one
2: last question, which is completely um, off-topic. Um, Do you have a favorite um, holiday story? We're trying to, you know, post-election and with upcoming holidays, which can be a stressful time for a lot of people, we're trying to intersperse uh, some lightheartedness. So anything you can think of that's funny or...
3: I'd say the most memorable holiday, Christmas, was the one that I spent in Baghdad in 2007. Uh, At the time, uh, I have five kids now, but we had two at the time. And while I didn't get to spend it with my family, I got to see some video and chat online, and and we sent pictures. Uh, But then it was also very unique to be in Baghdad with my other uh, soldiers who, uh, we were all just trying to make the best of it, and and we had our our, uh, decorations and and sand. There was no snow, but we had plenty of sand. So yeah, I think that, um, you know, it's, it's funny. We all celebrate in different ways. And again, when I talk about diversity and inclusion and perspective, we all have a different story, um, but that's what makes community, common unity, that uh, we can still come together, having different uh, and differing beliefs and values uh, to, to seek the general welfare like our, our Constitution calls for, that we seek domestic, ch- domestic tranquility to live amongst one another. And I'm hoping that that's what we can really do through our work here in Lexington.
1: Many thanks to Adrian for giving us some insight on his work and the workings of the local NAACP chapter. Let's continue the holiday storytelling with DeBron Thomas.
4: I'm DeBron Thomas, community organizer for Take Back Cheapside, musician, radio producer, and uh, overall guy who likes to eat a lot of food. (laughs) Uh, Funniest holiday memory. So, I'm originally from California, and I, uh, I've, I spend most of my Thanksgivings with family that I have in Louisville. And every year, we try to do something, you know, to contribute to, to the feast, of course. And um, I was probably about 21, 22, and my cousin Chris had come to pick me up, and we made the drive up from, from Lexington to Louisville. And we were making stuffing for the first time. That was our job, was to make the stuffing. And um, so we got all the ingredients from the local uh, grocery store and put it together. And I guess there's this thing with stuffing where if you don't mix it up, it just becomes cornbread. <laughs> and um, <laughs> me and Chris uh, misread the, the the instructions and uh, we made – Stuffing that was cornbread. It tasted really awesome, but Chris's mom showed up and was like, What is this? This is not back away, move. <laughs> and uh, so she showed us how to make the stuffing the correct way. Uh, but we also incorporated this stuffing cornbread hybrid that we had created, uh, and uh, it went off uh, pretty well. So that's one of my favorite um, holiday. Moments. And um, needless to say, I've just been asked to bring two liters of soda to the last few holidays.
1: <laughs> DeBron, you're always welcome at our parties. No cooking required. We'd like to give you some updates on DeBron's campaign, which received some positive news recently. Contrary to what was originally believed by city officials, the Confederate statues at Cheapside Pavilion are not required to stay where they are until the courthouse construction is finished. It's very likely that the city will want to reveal any changes to Cheapside at the same time, but because there is no legal requirement to keep everything on the property as it is, this gives the city a lot more leeway to make changes in that space and make it safer and more welcoming for everyone. Thank you to DeBron and everyone who's participated in the campaign so far. If you'd like to get involved, you can find a survey link on the search Facebook page where you can let the campaign organizers know how you would like to participate and how much time you can devote. Up next is a holiday story from Divine Karama. Fair warning to the parents out there who've got kids listening right now. There's a secret message from Santa in the story that's just for the parents. So we'll give you a second to get the earmuffs on the kids before we get started.
0: Peace, man. It's your boy Divine Karama, indie hip hop artist from Lexington, Kentucky. Um, what up, Lexington Community Radio? Uh, also, director of children's nonprofit Believing in it Forever Inc. So check it out, man. We supposed to be talking about our our favorite crazy and funny holiday stories, and I'll be honest, man. We I didn't really have too many crazy stories involving the holidays, but I do kind of have a funny and unique story about how me and my little brother first caught wind that maybe Santa Claus isn't real. And you know, I was one of them, them kids that believed in Santa Claus, I was old, yeah, I was almost a teenager. You know what I'm saying? I just love the feel of Christmas and, and and that you know that feeling so much that I refused to believe that he wasn't real. So anyway, I got a little brother, shout out to Wesley, man, aka Spiffy Clark. And uh, so one night, you know, every year we used to wake each other up. I would wake him up in the middle of the night so we could go and get a sneak peek of the tree, you know what I'm saying, before we woke up and open our gifts, you know, just in the middle of the night, like, yo, look what Santa got, boom, 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 and then we go back to bed. Well, one year, I think I was like 12, Wesley was like 6, 7. We wake up, but we wake up a little too early, or I guess my parents got a late start. So, um, we creeping into the living room and to our surprise, our parents is still up wrapping gifts. You know what I'm saying? So we tried to jet back to the, to the room quietly, but Wesley slipped and fell and, and banged into the bathroom door. I knocked the mirror over in the hallway and it was crazy. And, and my parents was like, what in the hell? And they, and they went in there and realized it was us. And we tried to jump into bed, to act like we was asleep. You know what I'm saying? But um, and, and it was and our parents just kind of start laughing and we woke up and we kind of start laughing and it was kind of this this way of of us finding out that hey maybe santa isn't the one bringing all our presents and it was done in a way where our parents didn't have to really break it to us um and we were able to able to share that laugh you know what i'm saying as a family and and you know what I'm so we still kept the christmas spirit you know moving forward through the years and You know, so I just thought that that was kind of funny and dope. So, yeah, happy holidays to everybody. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your Christmas. Have a happy new year. Karama out. Peace.
1: We at Central Kentucky Surge look forward to working further with the NAACP, as well as with Divine and DeBron. We have a few events coming up before the end of the year. First is a History of Racism training led by Tanya Torp on Saturday, December 3rd at the Downtown Public Library. After that, Holly Brown will be facilitating a group conversation about confronting racism in family and friends. This will take place on Wednesday, December 14th at Embrace United Methodist Church. Space for both of these events is limited, so if you'd like to attend, you'll need to register through the Eventbrite link on Facebook. If you don't use Facebook, feel free to reach out to us at our email, and we'll send you the information. Thanks again to everyone who gave their time to us for this episode of Power to the People Radio. This is the Central Kentucky Surge signing off. Tune in next week for a new episode from Kentuckians for the Commonwealth.